message is from Family Worship Center. This message will not only build your life, but will make you experience the transforming love of God. Open up your heart and be blessed. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you because as we have said, you are a good God. Lord, this morning we have gathered unto you again. We have come to behold your perfect law of liberty. Therefore, Lord, as we come today, let someone receive liberation. Let someone receive freedom. Let someone escape the clutches of Satan in the name of Jesus. Let someone escape the clutches of poverty, the clutches of sickness. Because your word liberates. Your word sets free. We receive we receive liberation this morning. Let your word have free course. Let it have free course in our lives. Cause this word to impact us in the name of Jesus. We give you praise, our Father. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. Hallelujah. You know, for the last two weeks, two Sundays... We have been looking at a mini-series that, that we titled Sexual Purity. Sexual Purity. It has been a three-part series. And so today will be the last installment, the third and the last installment in that series. In case you have forgotten or in case this is your first time of coming to church this morning, I'll just do a quick recap. Pastor Olson did an awesome job, awesome job an awesome job, in part one, two weeks ago, he laid the foundation. He laid the foundation. He said that sexuality is from God. It is a God-given desire. It is not something dirty. It is not something shameful. And it is not something that shouldn't be discussed in church. In fact, we should talk about it. Because if sexuality came from God, it is the church that understands what it is to educate the world what sexuality is all about. It is to also help us develop the right mindset and know and accept God's prescription for sex so that we don't do the wrong thing and so that we don't hurt our relationship with him. He defined sexual purity as Expressing our sexuality within God's guideline, free from corruption, filth, and in honor of our creator. He also said that it is to express your sexuality in thoughts, words, actions, within the boundaries of a biblically defined marriage relationship. And that relationship as defined by God is between a husband who is male and a wife who is female. There is no hybrid definition. There is no in-between. He made them male and female. And last Sunday, he looked at the dangers of sexual sin. He defined anything outside of God's prescription of sexuality as perversion. And, and he also highlighted some of the dangers of sexual sins such as losing God's favor, losing power, shame, and the effect it has on individuals, family, and the church negatively, and that it could lead someone to hell. And so today we look at the benefits 
of sexual purity. The benefits of sexual purity. We will look at the word of God. We will look at the word of God by benefits, of course. I mean the gain, the advantages, the good, the, the profits that accrues from sexual purity. We're going to open our Bibles to the book of 2 Timothy, chapter 2 and verse 20. 2 Timothy 2.20, and we'll also open to 1 Thessalonians 4.3-7. I'll read the first passage. But in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honor and some for dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he'll be a vessel for honor, sanctified, and useful for the master prepared for every good work. First Thessalonians 4, 3 to 7. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you should abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor. Not in passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. That no one should take advantage of and defraud his, his brother in this matter. Because the Lord is the avenger of all such. As we also forewarned you and testified. For God did not call us to uncleanness but in holiness. The benefits... Of sexual purity. The things that God asked us to do are not things that are impossible to do because He would be an unfair and unjust God to ask us to do something that is impossible. And so, whatever God has asked for us to do is what He has enabled us to do. And there are benefits, there are advantages. There are harvests that accrue to doing the things that he has asked us to do. The very first benefit, the very first one, is that sexual purity brings honor to God. It brings honor to, to God. To honor means to show great respect, to esteem highly, to revere. Honor is shown. You can't think honor in your heart. You can't say, I, I, I you know, honor this man and you feel a burning sensation you know, in, in your heart. That's, that is not enough. Honor is shown in words and actions. On, honor is shown in obedience. Honor shows how important the person is to you and how much value you place on that person. And so... Because we, are, because we are human, we tend to honor the people that we see. And because we can't see God, we sometimes forget that God demands honor. Malachi 1.6, God, God speaking, he said, A son honors his father, and a servant his master. If then I am the father, where is my honor? And if I am a master, where is my reverence? God demands. He is not begging. He demands for our honor. 
Because he is the almighty God. Because he is the creator of us all. Because he's the one that put the breath that is in your nostrils. He is the one that created you. He is the one that made the product and knows what and knows how the product should perform and what the product needs. And that product, of course, is us. And so it doesn't matter how much tithes you give, how much offering that you give. If he has said, flee sexual immorality, you can do all those things and you have, and yet you practice sexual immorality, may I inform you that you have dishonored God. For the simple reason that you have not done what he has asked that you do. And so you have done some, but you have left out one that is also important to him. Flee every sexual immorality. And so when you flee sexual immorality, when you are sexually pure, your life honors him. You honor him automatically. You know, he said in 1 Samuel 2.30, I want to look at the C part. For those who honor me, I will honor. And those who despise me shall be lightly esteemed. Because you just may be wondering, so if honoring God, you say, is a benefit, what is a benefit to me? That is the benefit. That when you honor him with sexual purity, he also will honor you. He also will honor you. And I wonder, if you were told one day that the president was going to honor you, you would have all kinds of expectations of money in the bank, of cars, of houses. How much more when the God that owns the heavens and the earth stops to honor you. Joseph was just a slave boy living in his master's house and doing what he knew best to do. And then his, and then his master's wife wouldn't leave him alone. But because he honored God, he refused to sleep with her. He refused to compromise. And he said it was because of God. Because of God. And when the seasons came and the seasons passed, Guess what happened? God honored him. God honored him. And so from a slave boy to a prisoner to the prime minister of Egypt. To the prime minister of Egypt. Egypt was the world power in those days. And he was the king's right hand man. The one that directed what happened in the, in the whole of, of um, Egypt. And so when you honor God, God will honor you. And when God honors you, people will queue up to meet with you in the name of Jesus. The second benefit, we need to rush. He makes you a useful vessel, a chosen vessel for him. A useful and a chosen vessel. We said in a um, 2 Timothy 2.20, but in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but of wood and earthenware, some for honorable and noble use, 
and some for menial and ignoble use. So whoever cleanses himself from what is ignoble and unclean, who separates himself from contact with contaminating and corrupting influences, it is the Amplified, will then himself be a vessel set apart and useful for honorable and noble purposes, consecrated and profitable to the master, fit and ready for any good work. Because God opens the curtains of heaven and he looks down and says, who will I send on this assignment? Who will do this thing that I want to do? Who will raise this battle cry for me? And so when he looks around, he doesn't look for the tall and handsome. He doesn't look for the muscular, for the short, the fat, the fair. What he looks for is a vessel that is clean. Because that passage says that there are many vessels, some for honor and some for dishonor. But there's something that that passage says. It says, if you cleanse yourself, if you, whoever cleanses himself, separates himself from contact with contaminating and corrupting influences. And so when God looks at his shelf of vessels to use, it is what you have decided that puts you on top of the shelf. It is not how tall or handsome you are, but it is because you have decided to separate yourself from unclean things, from sexual immorality as one of them. And so God picks you. God picks you and uses you. God said, speaking, I do not see as man sees, for man looks out Man looks at the outward, looks at the eloquence, looks at the suit. But the Lord looks at the heart. The Lord looks at the heart. Number three benefit, sexual purity will save you from serious consequences. Serious consequences. Serious consequences. It took one slip for David, king of Israel, just one slip led him to adultery and from adultery it led him to murder. One little slip, one little mistake. King of Israel, killer of giants, became a killer of someone's husband. Serious consequences. And so if he had kept himself for maybe those five seconds, if he had turned away and said, my eyes shouldn't see this, because he saw the lady bathing from the rooftop. If he had quickly shut the window, gone back in, and opened the battle plans, and put something else in his mind, the moment would have passed. The murder wouldn't have happened. He wouldn't have wronged God. And so it saves you from serious consequences. In modern times, the unwanted, unplanned pregnancy. Many of us know because we all went to school about how that girl, your classmate, got pregnant and how it disrupted her life. She had to drop out of school, remember the shame, remember the teacher coming to announce it, and just remember she had to be away, hidden away for several months. We have had such situations. One of my relatives had to be brought from where she was to come to hide in my house because she got pregnant when she wasn't married. 
the shame that it brings, the disruption that it brings to the lives of people. And imagine a married couple, a child born outside of wedlock, the trouble and acrimony that it brings to the home, the loss of respect. These are consequences that sexual purity could have made you avoid. What of the abortion? Those that go on to commit abortion. The WHO says that 50 to 70 million abortions occur worldwide every year. 50 to 70 million failures at sexual purity. 50 to 70 million people saying, it is my right to sleep with whoever I want, whenever I want, and wherever I want. But the one thing that those people never ask, what did, what did the unborn baby think about all this? And so, that unborn baby becomes an inconvenience, becomes inconsequential, killed like you would kill a fly. And yet, this would have been avoided with sexual purity. You know, the Supreme Court in the U.S. made a landmark judgment recently where it is now unlawful to commit abortion in the U.S. But while I was reading through, I saw the protesters making a lot of noise, and one of them said that there is a 10-year-old who will not be able to have her abortion. A 10-year-old. That's what they were complaining about. But in my mind, it was what was a 10-year-old doing with sex? Sexual purity. Imagine what sexual purity would have kept that little girl from. Preserved her through school and made and make her a beautiful bride someday. Mother of a child in wedlock someday. Benefit number four. Sexual purity will make you the temple of God. Will, will make you exercise the fullness of your being a temple of God. And you will walk in power. 1 Corinthians 6, 19, 20. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, which you have from God, and that you are not your own, for you were bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. Now, the temple in the Old Testament was not an ordinary building. It was where God dwelt in. It was where sacrifices were made. It was where the priest went to intercede on behalf of the people. When Solomon built that temple, the prayers he prayed in that place were mind-boggling. Mind-boggling. He said that if enemies besiege Jerusalem or Israel, that God should arise and fight for them. That if a famine came upon the land because of this temple, that God should arise and deliver them. He also said that if anybody who is not even in the temple, prays and points to the temple, bringing whatever problem it was in prayer that God should answer. That was a temple made of bricks and stone, of cement and mortar. How much more the temple inhabited by the Holy Spirit. A temple that is not fixed in a place, but mobile, moved to your office, moved to your house, and sits on your chair. 
Imagine the power. If in the Old Testament, Solomon could make such a request about a temple, imagine what God would do in your life. Because you kept yourself sexually pure. And so he sees you as a temple, an altar that can raise incense of prayers, incense of worship, a temple that decrees can be made, demonic foundations can be laid low, a temple that, that barrenness can be cut short, a temple that people can be lifted from their bed of affliction because the priest in that temple, which is you, held yourself up before God as a vessel clean to be used of God. You become a spiritual force that demons tremble at your pronouncements. Bars are torn asunder and the king of glory answers you in his majesty and power. That you are not a temple of empty stones but a temple that radiates the very power of God. And imagine if every temple being like that comes into this temple. Imagine the power of corporate anointing. Imagine the people that would be healed. Imagine the blind eyes that would be opened. Imagine the things that God would do in our midst. We have heard reports of people going for crusades and cut off limbs begin to grow. Of of backs that were bent for years begin to repair itself. Imagine if every temple came into this building sexually pure, a willing vessel, fire hot for God. Things would happen that would be unimaginable. We would have queues of people outside waiting to enter our church. And so your life ceases to be ordinary and your results become extraordinary. Your life ceases to be ordinary and your results become extraordinary. This was so important for Paul that he said, I pummel my body. I punish this body. In, that is what he was trying to say. Is, body, you will not disgrace me. I will not go and preach all those big messages, open all those churches, and then you would disgrace me and make me a castaway. And so he subjected his body to some disciplines because sexual purity was of vital importance to him. He did not want to be disqualified. Imagine after all the care groups you have done for years, all the worship songs you have sung for years, all the church church services you have come for years and at the end of it all at the end of it all sexual impurity robbed you disqualified you may that not be our portion in the name of Jesus our time is speeding Another benefit, it portrays you as a person of integrity and it sets you up as a role model. It portrays you as a person of integrity and sets you up as a role model. In one of our sermons here, we had defined 
integrity as doing the right thing even when no one is watching. You know, that is the thing about sexual purity. We can look nice in the suit, look nice in the dress, look holy with those lifted up hands, sing those songs with such depth of affection for God. But inside the heart, there's such rottenness and filth inside the heart. But if we are people of integrity, because God has said flee sexual immorality, it means when no one is looking, you will switch off that TV program. My eyes will not see this. When that thing pops up on your phone, you will not spend the next three seconds wondering, should I? Should I not? You quickly shut it down. When no one is watching, because that is what shows to God you are a person of integrity. It is not something that people will stand and applaud you for, but the God of heaven who sees every secret, he would applaud you as a person of integrity. And so when he is looking for a role model, someone that he wants people to look up to, he will look for those that have such integrity. It took, as, as I had said earlier, a Joseph. What he did, it was like nobody knew about it. No, it was like nobody saw it. But that event was recorded. God looked amongst many men, but he chose the story of Joseph, made him a role model for generations of believers. That because of what this young man did, he would have slept with the woman, had a promotion, had new clothes. Nobody would have known. But because he feared God, I will put him in the scriptures as a role model for all generations of believers. Sexual purity will keep you on the straight and narrow path to heaven. That is another benefit. I have to rush. Sexual purity also saves you unnecessary expenses. Imagine the hotel bills. Imagine the money used to fund another family. Imagine the money used to fund abortions. Imagine the money used to fund a lifestyle of immorality. It would save you a lot of expenses. Sexual purity will also make you bold to come before God. Bold to come before God. You will not go to God with guilt and condemnation. You won't go in there and thoughts of what you have done keep flooding your mind. Because you are sexually pure, you go in with boldness. With boldness. Let us come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. You can ask for things boldly. Petition for things boldly. Our senior pastor says it over and over. If your life is clean, your voice will be clear and strong. If your life is clean, your voice will be clear and strong. As we round up this morning, I have not come to condemn. You know, the heart of the Father never condemns. When God brings things like this, it is not for you to feel bad. It is not for you to hold your head and say, woe is me. What good can ever come out of me? 
The reason why he has brought this to us is because he is a loving father. It means that he has a way out already set for you. He has a way already set for you. That prodigal son, he, he left the house, wasted all that the father gave him. Wasted it on prostitutes. But the father never shut his doors to him. The father was waiting for him to return. That's the heart of the father. The father waits for you to return. And the day that he returned, the signet ring, the sign of power and authority he gave to his son. His robe, I'm sure it was a beautiful royal robe, removed it and put upon his son. He restored his son as if his son had never left. As if his son had never left. And that's our Jesus this morning. This morning. They pulled the woman before the crowd. The stones were ready. The men were eager to cast the stones and kill her because she had been caught in adultery. He did not look up, writing on the ground. And then he said, whoever has not sinned, let him cast the first stone. In other words, this is not about being self-righteous. And then when the crowd left, he went to the woman. Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. It was as if she hadn't done anything. He did not upbraid her. He did not accuse her. He did not begin saying, so why did you go to the man's house? You should know. She was already down and out. And his words just lifted her up like the father would do. You are my daughter. And I, and I see good in you. I see pleasantness in you. So rise from the dust. Go and become what I have made you. Go and prosper in life. Go. Put sexual immorality far behind you. And become who I have made you to be. And so I come this morning. The father's arms are open. Doesn't matter what you have done. Doesn't matter what you have been what you have been involved in. And it might not even be sexual immorality. You may have killed a man. You may have stabbed somebody. You may have taken from your office. You may have walked out of your home. You may be a serial womanizer. It could be anything whatsoever. The father has not come to to accuse you or condemn you. The father has come to help you. He has come to help you. All heads bowed. All eyes closed. God has come this morning to help you. He has seen you where you are. He has seen how lost you are. And he sees what a beauty you would be if you would open your arms to him. Are you that person that I am speaking to? I want you to lift your hands where you are. Oh, the father is in the house. Whatever it has been, whatever it has been, just lift that hand and say, Lord, I'm tired of where I have been and what I have been. And it doesn't have to be anything of sexual immorality. You just want to change your life 
from what it has been. Are you tired of being poor? Tired of being broke? Tired of being the one to always beg? Tired of the one that money runs out two days after you have been paid? Are you tired? Do you say, I need a prayer this morning? Pastor, just pray for me. I want my life in this city to change. Are you that person? Just lift your hands where you are. Lift your hands where you are. Do one more bold thing. Rise to your feet. Rise to your feet where you are. Rise with boldness. Don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed. All of us did this one day. All of us came out like this one day. We came out asking for mercy, asking for help. We came out with our hands lifted and said, God, help me. God, help me. Do you have guilt in your heart? Please stand to your feet also. Are you afraid of death? Stand to your feet. May I ask that you take your Bible, take the things that you had, the things that you brought to church. Please come forward. Please come forward. Come forward. Let God meet with you. Let God help you. Let God deliver you. Even if you did not raise your hand, even if you did not stand, this is a good opportunity. This is a good, op good opportunity. Join them. Join them. Join them. Are you afraid of going to hell? And you should be if you are not born again. Because nobody knows when they will die. Nobody knows. Nobody knows. You don't know what will happen when you leave this church. Do you want to be guaranteed a place in heaven? Then come forward. Come forward. Join them. Join them. Join them this morning. Join them this morning. I used to walk in the hospital years ago. And one place that I used to walk in was the emergency room. And you'd see a man with a suit looking nice all blooded up because he was caught in an accident. He left his house that morning not knowing that that would be his last with his expensive shoes and expensive shirt but dead on the table. Nobody knows when that hour, when that day is going to come. Do you want to make peace with God? Just step forward and join them. 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 Thank you for listening to this message. You will be blessed when you do the things that you have heard. You can make a brand new start in life by becoming a child of God. It's as easy as believing in your heart as you say the following prayer. Jesus, I thank you for dying for me. Jesus, come into my heart today and be my Lord and Savior. I declare right now that I am born again. In Jesus' name, Amen. Congratulations if you just said that prayer. It is important that you join a Bible-believing church immediately so that you grow in knowing Christ. We would love to have you visit our church in Abuja, Nigeria. For more information about this ministry, you can visit our website at www.fwcabuja.org. God bless you. Family Worship Center. We care.